Well, like as I said, my name is Brian. We'd like to welcome you. So happy that you're here this morning. We are starting a brand new series today called Stranger Things. And perhaps you've heard of this show before. It's kind of become a cultural phenomenon. It's a big deal. A lot of people watch it. Matter of fact, season three was just released last month. Um, it's been like the biggest show in Netflix history. They just have a lot of people watch it. A lot of people anticipate it, can't wait for it to come out. A lot of people binge watch it. Um, if you've never seen the show, you're in a good place today because you don't really need to know anything about the show for this series. And if you have seen the show before, really not going to help you out too much either. But it's just something that we wanted to talk about, Stranger Things. Because there are a lot of strange stories in the Bible, and just like the show Stranger Things, sometimes you're like, well, what's the big deal? Why does that happen? And is that possible? So in the show, if you've never seen it before, it's set in the 80s in rural Indiana, in Hawkins, Indiana, and it's a show about some pretty much preteen and teenage kids, and it's the story about how some really strange things, some supernatural, paranormal things start happening. Basically, there's some monsters that show up. We start talking about other dimensions. There's a little girl whose name is Eleven. That's not strange enough. But then she has like telekinetic powers and can like move things and do all kinds of crazy stuff. And so there's a lot of strange things that really happen in the show and people really love it for that. I think if it was just a show about kids in the 80s, it would have got really boring, right? Because it would have just been them in the basement playing their Dungeons and Dragons board game and everyone would have been like, With this, I don't want to binge watch that, right? But when the monster shows up and comes through the wall, then yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty entertaining. That's cool stuff, right? It's pretty strange. So that's what we're going to do in this series over the next couple weeks, we're going to talk about some strange things, not from the series, but we're going to talk about some strange stories from the Bible. Because if we're just honest, if you've read the Bible before, if you've heard some of the stories in the Bible, you're like, that's kind of weird. That's, that's pretty strange. It's, it's not normal. And maybe even like some of the things that happen in the TV show, it might be a little bit supernatural that something like that would happen. It's not normal. It's, it's strange. And so we want to take a look at some of these strange stories. And maybe you've heard some of these stories in the Bible. Maybe it'll be new for you. But a lot of times when we read these, what can happen, or we hear these stories, it's like, well, what does that have to do with anything? How does that apply to my life? What, what do I do with that now? How does some strange story that happened thousands of years ago have anything to do with me? I don't know if you've ever felt that way. I've sometimes read some stories in the Bible. I'm like, what, what is that about? What is going on? So today we're going to dive in and we're going to jump in, and we're going to talk about a guy named Lazarus. Maybe you've heard of Lazarus before. Maybe you've heard this story before. Maybe this will be the first time you've ever heard this story. Maybe the name's kind of familiar. But we're going to read a story of Lazarus. And so if you want to read along, you can. It's going to be on the screen. If you want to turn there in your Bible, if you have it, it's John 11. Or if you're in your electronic device, if you've got your Bible app, you're more than welcome to. But you don't need to. It'll be on the screens if you want to read along with us that way. But we're going to read the story about a guy named Lazarus and Jesus, his interaction with this guy. So we're going to take a look at this together. So we're going to jump right in. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. That's probably the strangest thing right there. A guy was living with his sisters as we go there. Um, <laughs> this is the Mary who later poured expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. The story just gets stranger, right? Her brother Lazarus was sick, so the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. In verse 4, but when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God, so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. 
But the disciples objected, Rabbi, which means teacher. They're teacher, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? Jesus, they're trying to kill you. Why would you go back somewhere they're trying to kill you? And so in verse 9, as only Jesus can reply, he says, There are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely, but they can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. They said, he said, he said Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. And this is great. In verse 12, the disciples said, Lord, if he is sleeping, he will soon get better. They thought that Jesus meant that Lazarus was simply sleeping, but he had not died. Can you imagine? Jesus like, hey, I've got to go wake this guy up from a nap. So let's just go travel there. But then he told them plainly in verse 14, this is how you know Jesus was working with young adults for disciples. Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. In verse 16, and this is my, probably my favorite part of the story, Thomas, nicknamed the twins, said to the fellow disciples, hey, let's go too and die with Jesus. Don't you love this guy's attitude? Hey, if we're going to go wake Lazarus up, we might as well all go with him and die too. It should be a good time. Sounds like Thomas liked to party. In verse 17, when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days, so he was dead. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, he went to meet them, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Yes, Lord, she told him, I've always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she returned to Mary. She called to Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed that she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. So they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not, he would not have died. In verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him, he asked. He says, they told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people were standing nearby and said, see how much they loved him. But some said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? In verse 38, he says, Jesus was still angry when he arrived at the tomb. A cave, stone, a cave with a stone rolled across the entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. In verse 40, it continues, Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believed? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of these people standing here so they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a head cloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. And then finally in verse 45, it says, many of the people who were with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw this happen. 
It's a pretty strange story, isn't it? Not something that's kind of ordinary. It's pretty extraordinary, right? That someone was sick, that this person would die, and then Jesus just straight up calls this guy back to life. It's a pretty extreme story, something that's very strange. But when we read something like this, sometimes we have to wonder, well, what's the application? Where, what is the, how does this really apply to me? And that, that's really great for Lazarus. And I'm sure Mary and Martha were really excited. I mean, unless they didn't care about their brother, but it sounds like they really did love their brother and they were genuinely excited and really wanted Jesus to come heal their brother, which was also Jesus' friend. But sometimes when we read these stories, it can get a little lost in translation. Well, what does that mean for me? What can I take from this story? How can this apply to my life? And so there are a few things that I want to talk about today that I see from this story that I think that we can apply to our lives. Something from this strange story that we can translate to today to help us as we're trying to follow after God. And the first one is this. If you're taking notes, you could write them down. If not, that's okay too. But the first one is there is hope when all hope seems lost. There is hope when all hope seems lost. Now, I don't know about you. If you've ever had to wait for something, it's really painful, right? It is really painful to have to wait. I know one time I was waiting for something to come in from UPS. Have you ever been there before? And it was like, it's out for delivery, right? You're, you're following it. You're tracking it, following every scan. It's in this city. It's getting closer. It's getting closer. And then the scan says the glory is out for delivery scan. That means it's going to be here today. And there was one time several years ago where I needed something. It was for a job. It was mission critical. We had to have it, ordered it in plenty of time. It was going to be there. Scanned UPS. It's out for delivery. Yes, save the day. Day goes by. The day ends. Nothing shows up on the doorstep. Oh, right? So another day goes by. Out for delivery. Another scan. Oh, they must have just something happened. The truck broke down. Don't know. Out for delivery. Nothing, right? So it calls, you call customer support. Well, it says it's out for delivery. That means they have up to a certain amount of time, but it said that yesterday, right? Have you ever been in this traumatic event of having to wait for something to show up and then only to find out that the scans were all lies and they can't find your package and then end up in like some foreign country? We're like, we don't even know how this happened. I'm like, well, you're UPS. You should know, right? It's so painful to have to wait. It's not a fun thing. Waiting is terrible. Waiting is absolutely the worst. I don't know, like, like airports, they're just designed for waiting, right? You got to wait to get there, wait to get in line, then wait to get on the plane, wait to get off the plane, right? It's just so much waiting. And if you've ever had the unfortunate event of having a flight delayed, oh man, right? It's like, oh, the flight's delayed, be about two hours late, two hours rolls by, everyone's getting nervous, there's no plane at the gate, what are we going to do, right? And it's like, uh, attention, we just want to let you know that the plane will be delayed. It's like, oh, come on, right? And you're just waiting, you want to get on. One time it worked out, though, because they brought a snack cart around, you know, because throwing a bag of chips at us made everything all right, you know, it's like, I've been sleeping on the floor for eight hours, but thank you for these Doritos, they're just great, thank you so much, right? Waiting is the worst, it's terrible, and if you've ever had your flight canceled, it just, it just gets worse. Right? I, I'm just, I consider myself a kind of patient guy, but waiting is just not something I enjoy to do. Years ago, we had an incredible opportunity to take our family to Disney. We took our girls to Disney, and it just pretty much was waiting, right? You just, you just pay to wait. It's like the most magical place on earth to wait in line. I mean, that should be like the rest of the tagline. You just, you just wait. All you do, like, wait to get on the tram to get to the park. You have to wait to get in the park. And then there's like, wow, look at all this stuff. And then you have to wait to get on any of this stuff. Matter of fact, 
even the food. You have to wait. And then you have to wait so long. You go, this restaurant looks cool. Look, there's Winnie the Pooh. We can just take our kids here. Oh, I'm sorry. You had to have a reservation six months ago to eat with Winnie the Pooh, right? I mean, it's just the worst. The waiting is just, it was like, well, what are we doing here, right? Waiting is the worst. And, and I feel for them in this story because I think this is something that Mary and Martha waiting for Jesus to show up. Right? They had to wait for him. And you're like, well, I know that he loves us. I know that he cares about us. As a matter of fact, they even said, Lazarus, the one that you love, right? Don't you love they throw that in there? It's not just like, hey, Jesus, can you show up? But the one you love, you know, not that guy that you're like, eh, I'm not so sure. But the one you love, yeah, he's sick. Come do something about it. Come pray for him. We know God will use you to heal him. It's painful to wait. It's painful to be in those situations where you just are not sure, right? Waiting for the plane. Is it going to be canceled? Are we ever going to get in this line? Is the package ever going to show up, right? Doctor's office. It's terrible having to sit there and wait. Are we actually going to get in to see the doctor? That's another really fun one, right? And this is where Mary and Martha were. It seemed like there was no hope. But the thing that we can get from this, in verse 21, Martha said this to Jesus. Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. And so what we've got to understand in this story is that there is hope when all hope seems lost. See, when Jesus enters the equation, when he enters the scene, what once seemed hopeless, which once seemed impossible, maybe we have felt, and I've been here, I've been where Mary and Martha have been. Jesus, if you would only, God, if you would only showed up, if you would only done it this way, if you would only been there, this relationship would have made it, or this person wouldn't have got hurt, or they wouldn't have been sick, or the tragedy wouldn't have happened. I don't know if you've ever been there before, where you just waited and waited, and it just didn't seem like God was going to do it. He's like, do you even care? But what we've got to understand, what we see here in the story of Lazarus is that there is hope when all hope seems lost. When it doesn't seem like it could possibly come through, when it doesn't seem like God could possibly turn the tables, when it seems like no hope, there's no shred, there's no ounce of hope left. When Jesus enters the scene, there absolutely is hope. The next one is, there is no situation too far gone for Jesus. I absolutely love this. There is no situation too far gone for Jesus. Don't you love the Bible and how real it gets? In verse 39, Jesus tells them, roll the stone aside. But Martha, the dead man's sister, basically has said, it's going to stink, God. It's going to stink, Jesus. Why would we roll the stone away? We should just keep that sealed up. I mean, I love Lazarus and all, but the situation is a little expired. He's a little ripe. It's a little beyond you being able to step in here. I mean, if he was sick, you could have prayed for him and he could have got better, but he is dead. He stinks. Rigor mortis. He is a corpse. It is gone. Too late. It has sailed. The ship has sailed. It's gone. There's no more chance for you to step in and do anything, Jesus. It's going to stink. Please don't open it up. Up, right? Don't embarrass us in front of all of our friends. Why would we let this stink out? It's just too far gone. But here's something that we've got to get today, that with Jesus, there is no situation too far gone. Matter of fact, Jesus specializes in situations that are too far gone. That we serve a God who specializes in situations that are way beyond anyone doing anything. And so that's what we got to understand in this strange story. When we see Jesus step onto the scene, it didn't seem like there was any hope and that the situation was way too far gone. That Jesus enters the equation and everything changes. And what does that mean for us? See, there are so many times where we just give in, we throw in the towel. We're just like Mary and Martha. Don't, don't, don't open it up. It's just going to stink. It's too late. 
It's too late for this marriage. It's too late for this relationship. It's too late for this career, this dream that God's placed inside of me, right? It's too, it's too late. It's, it's just not gonna happen. This is, whatever the situation, fill in the blanket is for you, it's just, it, God, it's just too late. Or maybe it's someone that we've been believing for, praying for. They're just, they're just too far gone. There's, there's really no hope for them. They've made their choices. They, they have to deal with the consequences now. They just, just leave it shut. It's just, it, they stink. There's just no chance, God, that you can do anything with this. Maybe, maybe, maybe when they were a teenager, if someone would have loved them and reached out to them and told them about Jesus. Or maybe even when they were a young adult. Or maybe if they would have had a marriage based on the foundation of loving God and putting God first. Maybe then it would have made it. But see, what you got to understand is that when Jesus enters the scene and he enters the equation, he specializes in situations that are too far gone. When it seems like there is no hope, when it seems there's no way that this per- they're, just, they're just beyond saving. They're just, they're just too far gone. The relationship's too broken. The financial issue is just too much of a mess. It's just, it, it's just a lost cause. See, I think this is where Jesus really shines when he shows up. He's like, oh, really, right? Did you even see, reading the story, how Jesus was, they said he was a little angry, that they were weeping and they're crying because he's like, what, what's the big deal? I've already said I'm gonna take care of this. And see, Jesus is more than capable of dealing and taking care of the situations in our lives that we have already deemed too far gone and deemed to be a lost cause. There's no situation too far gone for Jesus. He specializes in situations that are too far gone. The third point is the same power that raised Lazarus, Lazarus, whoa, I got like a country twang there for a second, Lazarus, raised Lazarus from the dead. I should kind of read it in that. It'd be kind of fun for us, right? The same power that raised Lazarus from the dead also raised Jesus from the dead. So in this strange story, we get a little bit of a foreshadowing. You may be familiar with the story of Jesus that he himself was crucified. He was buried in a tomb. And we get some foreshadowing of what's going to happen, things that are to come, some even stranger things that are going to happen down the line in the story in the Bible. And so we see that Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. And they actually say, roll the stone away. And this is exactly what happened to Jesus. He was buried. He was had it put into a cave. They had rolled the stone in front of it. It was sealed up. I'm sure they were worried about it stinking as well. But what happens is that the same power that raised Lazarus from the dead raised Jesus from the dead. And how does that apply for us? Well, that is everything because that is what it is all about. See, we understand that God loved us and that he cared about us, and that God created us, and that he wants relationship with us. And he wants relationship with us so bad that God would do anything to make what we messed up right, that we fell short, that we messed up, that we dropped the ball, and that God sent his son Jesus in order to save us from our mess, our mistakes, our stench, right? Because I'm sure there were a lot of people who could say the same thing for us. Oh, don't open it up. It stinks, right? Because that's where we were. We were spiritually dead, but the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is now available to raise us back to life spiritually. And so that tags onto this line that Jesus is still raising the dead to life. That we were all once spiritually dead. Every single one of us, we are all in need of a savior. There's nothing we can do to earn God's love. We can't earn his forgiveness. We can't be good enough. It's not about our good deeds outweighing our bad deeds. It's not simply just being a nice enough person and hoping that God accepts us. No, it doesn't matter what we do. None of us, myself included, none of us deserve God's love. None of us deserve his forgiveness. It's something that he has freely given us. And it's because of what he did on the cross 
cross because when they put him in that grave, he didn't stay there. Lazarus was there for four. Jesus was only there for three. But what happened is that power that raised Christ from the dead is now available to all of us to raise us back to spiritual life, to go from death to life. And that I can't think of anything that applies more to us as we read this strange story. We read the story of what happened to Lazarus, this foreshadowing of what would happen to Jesus himself, and now the power that is available to raise the dead to life. And so what does that mean for us? That means that it begins to change our perspective on things, at least I, I hope it does is that many times we have things in our lives like we talked about that we think are too far gone, that it's just no way that God can do anything, and he can because when Jesus enters the scene, everything changes. But see, I think many times what we don't understand or what we can miss is that God loves all of his creation. He loves all of humanity, and he wants all of us to have relationship with him. And it feels like the world is too far gone. It feels like it's just too tragic. There are just too many people who are just too hurt, too twisted, too demented. They're just too angry, too bitter. They don't want anything to do with God, and we just think we just write them off. and We put them in different categories where they're just this or they're just that, and there's just no way. But see, when we understand that the power that is available to raise a dead man from the grave, when the power is available to raise our Savior, Jesus, from the grave, when that same power is able to raise the dead to life spiritually, that there is no situation that is too far gone, no person that is too far gone. And even as I was studying this week, and even as I was praying and preparing for this, I began to think about people in my life that maybe for years I've been believing for, and maybe even just subtly began to write it off, or maybe not even really pray for them anymore, not even really ask them to church anymore, not even really make the effort because it's just easy to think, well, that's just the way they are. And that's just how they're going to be and nothing's going to change. And that's just the way things are. And they've made their decision. Nothing's going to change. The situation's too far gone. But when we understand that when Jesus enters the scene, that everything can change, it should change the way that we begin to see the lost world around us. It should change the way that we see friends and family members and schoolmates and people around us, coworkers who have, are far from God, who have not experienced a spiritual life, who are still spiritually dead. And we understand that when Jesus enters the scene, everything can change and that no situation, no person is too far gone. Sometimes I just have to ask myself the question, is there breath in their lungs then? Yes, then God still has a chance to do something in their life. So we have to be careful to not write people off, but instead be like, God, you know what? I'm just going to believe in you. And maybe like Mary and Martha, it's like, it's too late. I felt that so many times for people in my life. It's just too late. God, if you would just showed up then, if you would have showed up before the mess or before the pain or before the tragedy, the thing they went through, the hardship that was just so difficult or how, how someone just hurt them or wounded them or they just became angry and bitter and had just a terrible experience with church and we wouldn't even blame them for being angry at God and wanting nothing to do with him. But when we trust Jesus to enter the scene and change everything. We don't write people off. Instead, we begin to believe we begin to invite, we begin to pray, we begin to help them encounter Jesus in real ways. We don't have to write a letter and call for Jesus to come and say, your friend Lazarus is sick. We just get on our knees and pray, Lord, your creation, your person, your love, whoever this is in your life, God, they need you. I believe that you can change their life. I believe you can bring them from spiritual death to spiritual life. The last point for us today is that it's all for the glory of God. It's all for the glory of God. See, 
when we read the story, it's really interesting to put yourself in the place of where these characters were because they didn't know how it was going to end. We get the joy of being able to read it and see, oh, wow, Jesus saved the day. He came and they could have not been expecting that at all. That wasn't a normal thing. It was pretty strange. But we get the joy of being able to read it, the advantage of knowing what happens. But see, from the very beginning, even though they didn't know what was going to happen, even though the disciples didn't know that he was actually dead, they thought he was taking a nap. Mary and Martha are really struggling because he's dead and he's not going to make it and Jesus was too late. But if you go all the way back to the beginning of the story, if you caught it, all the way back in verse four, this is what Jesus said. When Jesus heard about it, when he heard about Lazarus being sick, he says, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive the glory from this. Oh, don't you love this? That from the very beginning, from the onset, from before anything happened, before even Jesus got to the person, before he even knew that he was dead, before anything happened, before anything took place, the very beginning of the story, Jesus sets it up and he says, you know what? Jesus has said his sickness is not going to end in death. Matter of fact, he is not going to die. No, it happened for the glory of God so that God could receive the glory so that God could receive the glory. What we've got to understand is that it's all for the glory of God. That God sent his son Jesus to save our lives, to save our souls, to bring us from spiritual death to spiritual life. And I don't know what else is going on in your life, whatever that situation is that you feel is too hopeless where you feel it's too far gone. Maybe we were even talking about that today. Maybe something jumped to mind or just instantly because it's been at the forefront of your thoughts. Maybe it's been some pain or some grief or a weight that you've been carrying and it's like, man, it's just, there's just no way God can change this. It's just, it's, it's too late. I just have to deal with this. But I want you to understand today if you get nothing else from this is that Jesus specializes in situations that are too far gone. There is no relationship or marriage that is too broken. There's no too financial situation that is too broken or, or job or career situation that's hopeless. There, there is no education situation or dream that God's placed inside of you that, that is too far gone. There's no family that is too broken and shattered that God can't put the pieces back together. See, friends, I don't know what it is that you're carrying. I don't know what it is in your life where you need Jesus to show up. I don't know what's in your life that you have sealed off like Lazarus and you're like, just, just leave that corner alone. Just, we, don't, we don't talk about that person. We don't talk about that relationship. We don't talk about that dead thing. We don't talk about that dead dream. We don't talk about that dead situation. It just, it just stinks. It's just a mess. It just didn't work out the way that we thought it would. But I want to invite you today to invite Jesus to enter the scene, to call out to him, just like Mary and Martha saying when, when he showed up, and Martha's like, I know that he's dead, but God will give you whatever you will ask. Will you be brave enough and have the boldness to come before Jesus in the same way they did and be like, you know what? The situation seems hopeless. But God, I simply believe that you are who you said you are and that you will do what you said you will do. In this situation, I don't get it. I don't know how this is gonna happen. This seems impossible to me. Will you be brave enough, bold enough to go there and bring that petition before Jesus? And understand that it's all for the glory of God. That Jesus loves showing up in our lives and doing the things that seem impossible. He loves raising the spiritually dead to spiritual life because it brings him glory. It brings God glory. He loves coming and working in our life and doing the thing that seemed like there's just no way it could happen because it brings God glory. 
And honestly, friends, that's why we're here doing what we're doing as a church. If we can just be honest, this world is a dark place. It's so heartbreaking to hear about the stories coming from Texas and Ohio this week. My heart just shatters and breaks for this world, for people who are just so hurt, so lost, so much fear, so much anxiety, so many questions, and I don't know what the answers are. Man, I think if someone knew what the answers are, we would have figured it out because no one wants this to keep happening. But we know that we live in a dark world. We know it seems impossible. We know it seems that culture is just getting further and further away from God. It seems like there is no chance that people have just turned their back on God, that they're not interested. Matter of fact, if we even bring up God or Jesus or anything, then it's just, you're hateful. And it's like, well, that's the opposite response of what we were trying to get going here, right? It just seems like there's no chance. And why would we start a church in a culture like this? Why would we try to do this? Because we understand and we wanted some people who are maybe, maybe just maybe, have a little boldness like Thomas had in the beginning, remember? Hey, let's go die with Jesus. Let's go do this thing. And that's where we're at as a church. We're like, hey, let's just go with Jesus. It might not be safe. Matter of fact, this might not work out. This is crazy. What are we doing? Let's just go do this. Let's just be bold enough, brave enough, crazy enough to follow after Jesus, to believe that he is who he says he is, that he will do, that he said he will do, and that when he enters the scene, there's no situation that's too difficult. There's no culture that's too far. There's no neighborhood that is just too hopeless or helpless. There's no people who are too far from the love of God that he can't enter the scene and change their life. And so why are we doing it so we can be a hip, cool, trendy church? No, it has nothing to do with it. It all comes down to what Jesus said, that we're doing it all for the glory of God. And we've seen it, friends. We've seen it in the few short months that we've been meeting. People saying yes to a relationship with Jesus, going from spiritual death to spiritual life. People going public in their faith, getting water baptized, saying, I've decided to follow Jesus. We've seen people make the commitment to serve and to give. And we're seeing lives begin to be changed in our communities, in our schools. And we truly believe it's just the beginning. Would you join us as we are bold in believing God and doing it all for his glory? Saying, yeah, you know what? I, I don't get it, God, because when I look out there, it stinks. It looks impossible. But I, I don't know how you're going to reach all these people. It just seems there's no way. But friends, when Jesus enters the scene, he specializes in situations that are too far gone. And that's what we're believing and standing on as a church together. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you. God, we thank you that in the midst of the dark world that we're living in and the questions that we have, God, and, and just even the confusion and the hurt, Lord, God, that we are trusting and believing in you. God, being bold enough, having the faith to believe that you are who you said you are, that you will do what you said you will do. And God, that no situation is too far gone from you. And when it seems like there is no hope, God, that there is hope. Because our hope is anchored in who you are, Lord. God, that it may not always work out the way that we want God, it may not always happen on our timetable or the way that we thought you would do it. God, that we trust and put our hope and our faith in you, Lord. 
God, I pray today for those who are here and maybe dealing with something that feels like a helpless situation, maybe it's something that's been recent or maybe something that happened years ago. And as we're talking about it, God, you've even been stirring it in their heart again. God, I pray that we would be bold enough to come before you, Jesus, and just petition you and say, we know that the Heavenly Father, that God will give you what you ask for, Jesus. So we just bring it to you. We lay it at your feet. We say, God, we don't know how you're going to do it, but God, we just believe that you will. God, help us to have that kind of faith, that kind of boldness to believe like Mary and Martha did. Jesus, we pray today for relationships, for families, for marriages that are broken, that are on the rocks. God, saying that there is no relation that's too far gone for you, Lord. God, for families, that you would pick up the pieces, God. God, that you would put things back together that never seemed that they could possibly be reconciled. God, I even pray for dreams that you've placed inside of people. God, I pray that they would just once again dream again, have the boldness to bring it before you, to not let it die, to say, you know what, I, I tried in this. It didn't seem like it was going to work out. God, you didn't show up the way that I thought you would but I'm gonna have the boldness to believe that you will do what you said you will do, God. God, I even pray for financial situations, God, for jobs, for careers, God, where it seemed things took a turn for the worse, where it felt like the door was closed, maybe even felt like we were robbed out of an opportunity or a chance, God, whatever it was, God, whatever the situation is, Lord, it doesn't matter how hopeless it seems, it doesn't seem how far gone it is, God, you can restore it. You can open the doors that have been shut. God, we thank you. In Jesus' name. While your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, today we just want to give you the opportunity to know this power that is available to raise the spiritually dead to spiritual life. Because the truth is, every single one of us needs a Savior. We've all messed up. We've all made mistakes. We've all fallen short of the way God's asked us to live. But here's the good news. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. But God freely gives his love to us. All we simply have to do is say yes to accepting Jesus as our savior and laying our life down for him. Because friends, once Jesus enters your life, nothing can stay the same. So if you're here today and maybe for the first time you want to say yes to a relationship with Jesus or maybe you were here and at one time you said that prayer, you invited Christ into your life, you were following after him, but maybe life just began to happen. Things just got busy, you just it slipped away or maybe something happened that was tragic or you just began to have questions and doubts and you weren't sure how to categorize your relationship with God because how could a good God allow such bad and painful things to happen in our lives? And maybe you walked away for whatever reason. But I want you to know today that there is a God who loves you, who cares for you, and more than anything wants relationship with you. So if that's here today, while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand, say, include me in that prayer. I want to make a decision for you. Yes, I see that hand. Anyone else? I see that hand. You can put them down. All right. We're going to pray out loud together so that no one has to pray alone. Would you repeat after me? Dear Jesus, I believe in you. Thank you for giving your life for me. Come into my heart. Fill me with your spirit. 
Help me to follow you all of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we cheer and make some noise for those who made a decision?